Hi, you're listening to Celluloid Cards Wallop with James and Gemma. Sit down and enjoy yourself, grab a snack and have some fun. Welcome to this week's Celluloid Codswallop. It's probably going to be the best threesome you are going to have all week, nay, all month. So, I am joined, as ever, by two wonderful ladies. I am joined by Joanne and Gabrielle. I am, of course, James, your tight, confused host. Uh, say good evening and hello, ladies. Hello, ladies. <laughs> hello, ladies. Yes, the uh, reason why I should explain that James is slightly confused is this is version two of the start of the podcast. We just had a slight, let's not say technical hiccup, but just a slight confusion. Oh, no. <laughs> Alzheimer's kind of kicked in and uh, forgot what movie we're looking at and who actually made it. <laughs> James is all right, but Gabrielle and I just, it was the pressure. It's our first time. Yeah. Gabrielle being a virgin now. We wanted to uh, be good with her. <laughs> we'll be yes, gentle. I, I um, so as I as I may have already said once before, but who knows? One of the things I like to do is sort of look at historically how I've come to this film or things we know about it. So Batman vs. Superman came out in, I want to say like 2015, 2016, something like that. And it got very mixed reviews. It was a polarizing film. And when, you know, they said to, you know, Zack Snyder, basically go forth, make, you know, the Justice League film. They were not, you know, people were not happy. They wanted him to make it lighter and happier and all that stuff. And when I saw the original release of the Justice League, which was 2017, I thought it was a sack of cack. I was really unimpressed by it. It's something that we, we discussed in take one, two, whatever it was. Um, <laughs> I thought as a film, it was badly put together. I thought the, one of the worst problems it had is the reshoots were really noticeable. You could tell things had changed. One of the big problems it had was Ben Affleck in the throes of alcoholism. His weight was going up and down. He was looking rough and not at his best. And I just thought it did not work as a storyline. But I want to see what your your views are on it. So who wants to go first? It certainly was no Batman and Superman, let me tell you that. It was definitely much better. No, um, Justice League, uh, the original cut, I enjoyed for the sheer... It was cheesy superhero, good versus bad versus that's it. You know, I enjoyed it for that reason. The only thing I didn't like so much about it is there was these characters in it and we didn't know who the hell they were. There was no story. There was no background with it. I mean, I've discussed this before where Marvel have done differently to DC, where Marvel didn't just come in with, here's the Avengers. They came out Iron Man, Iron Man 2, and then in the order. And they so you, you you get to know them. So that's the only thing I didn't like about Justice League, the original cut. It was too like what what's the what's the Flash's day? What's Cyborg's? What why is he so pissed at his dad? Like there was too much unanswered for me, and then it was just left like that. <laughs> the way it was. So I was I was happy to hear when the Zack Snyder was coming back on board to give it the hopefully a bit more meat to the bones, I suppose. Yeah, it was a very much a radical departure from Batman versus Superman. It was bright. It was colourful. 
It had no Martha. Well, sorry, yes, it did yeah, have Martha. Well, there was actually a Martha scene Martha. in it that gets cut out uh, for for the re- new released one, but it was it was okay. I watched it in the cinema. Thought, right, fair enough. It was a thing. I didn't mind it. I was a bit disappointed. And you're absolutely spot on about the lack of knowledge about the characters. When I watched it, I thought, why why are they using dark dark side or dark side as I have a habit of calling them? Why why are they using him? I couldn't understand the motivation for Steppenwolf. Because mm-hmm. they're okay as characters, but it's a wee bit like in the first uh, Christopher Nolan Batman movie, they used Rachel Ghoul. I never really understood that. To me, it didn't translate very well into the first Batman film. He wasn't a, he wasn't that great a character. He was okay in the comics. He was quite complicated in the comics, but in the movie, wasn't so good. So I thought, this is another Christopher Nolan thing again. Here we go. Here's this almighty power. Are they trying to compete with Marvel and Thanos? Because people are going to make the comparisons, never mind the mm-hmm. fact that Dark Side's been out for donkey's years. It meant the viewer had to have a knowledge of DC that you didn't have to have a Marvel. I mean, I'm not a Marvel person, but I can sit and watch a Marvel film and know, know enough from what I'm seeing on the screen about the character. But you didn't get that with Justice League. It was you had to know who these people were. Thankfully, I did, but it still didn't make for complete viewing. Yeah. I think part of the problem the film had is that, I mean, Obviously, they were not happy with what Snyder was doing. And, I mean, you hit the nail on the head, Gabriel, when you were saying how it was a rush to get a lot of characters into one film. The original plan, as I understand it, had been to, they were going to do like a Batman film, probably like a cyborg film, and then bring it all together. And this sort of thing just didn't happen. And I've got about a second. Can I see a little bit of what happened and why they chose Joss Whedon? So they think, you know, great, he's done the Marvel stuff. We've got a winner. And probably they were thinking, we've got to try and make it more kid-friendly or more family-friendly. We've got to condense all this stuff into like the two-hour times or whatever it is, which is clearly not what happened with Zack Snyder's vision because it's like a four-hour mammoth masterpiece of a film. But you also got looking at what happened with the original Justice League release was not well-received. I don't think by a lot of people it got it didn't do that well in the box office. And fairly early on, you were hearing the, the ruminations of people saying, Where's the Snyder Cut? What's happening with this? Is this film going to come out? So it's taken until 2020, getting to 2021 for this film to be released. And it was not a film that is, well, I would love it to hit cinemas, but I can't see it happening. But you get to watch it online. And the first thing that hit me is the opener. The opener is nothing in any shape or form like what we saw in the original cut. In fact, there's so little of the original cut in this version. It is entirely a different film. But whereas we had an opening in the first release that was seeing the aftermath of Superman's death, we're right in the heart of it at this film. Uh, well, as soon as it opens up, you're seeing a very violent response with the scream that Superman gives as he's being killed and the ramifications of that. And I was just like, as soon as I sat and watched it, I was like, holy shit, this is going to be something... <laughs> so good and so different than the stuff I've already seen you know, we, we've seen before. That surprised me actually the Scream one because you were wondering when mm-hmm. was it going to stop. It just seemed to go on and on and on mm-hmm. right right round the planet and then of course we see the island of thermoplastic which all the, <laughs> as I call it because I can never quite remember is it ther- thermoscara ther- ther- <laughs> that'll be it thermoscara yeah. um, yes where, where I live in my alter ego as Queen Hipper placement so I, I was Really, really thrilled actually to see it that Hippolyta and the Amazons had quite, quite a big part actually at the beginning mm. of it. Mm-hmm. Joanne and I discussed this like directly after we both watched it, and I was like, 
I kind of cried and she was like me too I'm like oh thank god it was not, like, not fully, no, I have to say, not, not doing my reputation any good, but my eyes no, didn't she didn't. She did cry. She got moist, she got moist in certain areas. We'll go with that. Um, no, it, it was definitely something, and I'll give it DC and Zack Snyder its credit for this, because it didn't feel like it was put there as a, oh, here's one for the women, the girl power, shut them up thing. It didn't feel like it. It felt like it was the most natural strong women empowered whereas marvel done that really stage scene at the end of an end game where all the girls got together it was like yay and i'm like oh why not you were not there you know anyway it was still made me cry it still gave me goosebumps at the time but that's why I, like the opening of the film and it opened in, in themiscara and that big them women just show them your fear we have no fear you're like oh, oh my yeah. god goosebumps you know that's a goosebumps yeah that gave me yeah. the chills as well because it reminded me of 300. I thought yeah. this is yeah. you're seeing the female version of the Spartans, and the yeah. women were properly muscular and fit. And mm-hmm. whenever they were shown initially in the in the first cut, it was gratuitous. There was an awful lot of up the crack type shots, even with uh, Wonder Woman when she was in her civvies. It was from the angle was from her bum all the time facing up, and Gal Gadot is uh, is slim and she really doesn't have a big arse. So that's just a sweet tiny dot, you know, on the screen <laughs> with the camera pointing upwards. But the women were dressed differently. Yet in the first Wonder Woman series, or well, Wonder Woman series, the first Wonder Woman film, the women were dressed appropriately as as Amazonians. Mm. In this one, in the Justice League, they were then very skimpy looking. I mean, they were riding into war with like three hankies and a and a bandana, whereas the Atlanteans and the, and the men all had armor on. In this, the women, the costumes make sense. They didn't make sense before. Now they make sense. Uh, the ones that hold up the gates as well. I, I noticed there was oh. one of them. She's appeared. Yeah, yeah, the blonde girl who's the body. You would not screw appeared. with them. No, she's appeared in the other Wonder Woman films. So she's a recognizable character. They sacrifice themselves in the end to try and keep the 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 uh, the. The mother box, I was going to call it a wonder box. What the fuck that is, I don't know. To keep the wonder box. <laughs> no, I'm doing it again. The mother box uh, in, in the temple. And let's face it, if the Amazons can't keep it secured, nobody can. Because it turns out nobody actually can. No. I mean, the whole starting point of the film was, I preferred it seeing the way Batman was introduced. I do find it interesting in these films that no one really seems to give a, you know, a fig about anyone's secret identity. No. Clark, Bruce, you know. <laughs> yeah, for Bruce, Bruce. Let's face it, how many times has Alfred accidentally let slip who he is in these films? Everyone is shags, like they all know. What's Bruce Wayne? He's Batman. Yeah. Oh, it's him, the orphan. Pretty much. I liked it with Batman in this one. He was not the focal point. I liked, I very much liked that about this film. As you were saying a bit earlier about his weight was fluctuating and stuff, and obviously he's heavier in this one, and he's bigger, but he just looks incessantly tired in it, and like... It's like he wants to do this so he can like change into old Bruce, the, the Bruce that can chill the fuck out and not be doing this shit no more because he is still mortal at the end of the day. And I loved it when he got in the car with Barry and he says, well, what's your superpower? And he's like, I'm rich. <laughs> yeah. So he he made the joke of himself that everybody makes about Batman anyway. He has no superpowers. He's just rich. He, yeah. But I like that he wasn't, Not no one of them was the focal point. It was the team. It was brilliant. I loved, I just loved this whole cut of it. Do you know, I thought Bruce, Batman, 
was actually a very human character in this. Mm-hmm. Sometimes to the detriment maybe of Bat- the Batman mythos himself. I mean, some of the some of the other characters, Wonder Woman steps in and protects him from Kal-El when he comes back that time. There were a few times where I thought, this is not really my Batman. I don't mean yeah. Bat-Afflick isn't my Batman, just that Batman was a wee bit more vulnerable than I'd maybe like to have seen him. I still enjoyed it, but I just thought he was a bit more... He was a bit more vulnerable than yeah. the Batman that I know. And I don't know if that's necessarily a good thing or not. It did irk me a couple of times. I thought, come on, people, this is Batman. Even though Batman is the most, he is the human amongst the, the, the super the super dudes, he still can outthink them and outclass them in every way. But he was defenseless on a few occasions. Yeah. See, I saw that, but I thought it's maybe a bit hopeful that he's going to start focusing on getting to the point because I mean I know we don't we all know Batman's been around forever like he's been eternally in his 30s and 40s I mean in all the films every no matter what film what cut he's always in that age range no matter what way you go but it's nice to see that he's he's growing with us at the same mm-hmm. time you know so that's how I saw it in a way it was just yeah. a bit, that that's the only reason I liked it for that side of things like it made him there's more to come but maybe not from him taking the cape out because he does he turns into old Bruce later and then in the comics like doesn't he he goes old old Bruce and there is a version of him that way but mm-hmm. um, Frank Miller's mm-hmm. Batman ret- or Dark Knight Returns Bruce is probably in his 60s at that point but he still has that age he can mm-hmm. still take them down in fact he takes Superman down in that sometimes it does look quite Frank Miller from the point of view of some of the camera angles and how Bruce looks but I think there was definitely times where Batman was he was almost like a sidekick in terms of his vulnerability and yeah I don't know. What do you think, James? Well, what I particularly like with this film is he was not comical. If you look at the cut we got with Whedon, he was more of a figure of fun, you know, like the common... When they do bring Superman back from the dead, you know, spoiler alert, if you don't know now, you're never going to know. You know, he starts saying the, the do you bleed line is used against him, and he's like, he Batman gets pushed into like a car and her and he's going like, oh yeah i'm definitely bleeding or something's definitely bleeding and i'm just like this is it's too comical it doesn't work whereas in this film at least you know only once or a little scene but it touches on the fact that when cyborg says to him i didn't think you were real and his response yeah. is well i'm real when it's necessary yeah, yeah. that you was know, cool I, what's that word like solidifies him as he's, he's a legend no matter what age shape he will eternally be the legend that is batman it's a nice way to sort of be seen, if you know, even though they've worked with them, it's still, you know, Jesus, are you real? <laughs> One huge, huge thing with this film is the fact that you see this massive difference in the film in the from the, the what was released. And I'm starting to understand why there was so much kerfuffle, shall we say, over it. Cyborg. If you look at the cut of the first the first film that came out, Cyborg is pretty much this minuscule character who does not very much. Yeah, I mean, whereas in this, he probably is one of the main focuses of this film. He really moves it on. And you see quite a tragic, well, it's a very tragic backstory with the character. You know, he's, and you see really what happened. He lost his mother. There's problems to do with that. He's got an appalling relationship with his father. He's a destroyed, broken human being. But he's the cog in this whole thing. Yeah, it let you know this time what his powers were, like what exactly he could do. I mean, the, the first one, it was like a bit, okay. He can control computers or something. It was a bit vague, but this was like whenever they had Cyrus and yeah. Daddy doing that voiceover of you can do you can and no system can outwit you. You can you can create anything. You are basically a god at the end of the day, is how no matter what you want to do, you can do it. 
I like how it done that. It showed you exactly how he became cyborg in a beautiful way. Obviously, it wasn't beautiful for him. He looked kind of tortured, kind of in pain. But for us, the viewers, it looked, it was a beautifully done. It wasn't just all in your face, a boohoo story. It was sort of like in his parts of recall. That was fine. I wish to kind of give Barry Allen the same little bit of a build up because it, it wouldn't have taken much because I still don't know how the Flash got his bleeding powers. <laughs> Yeah, they don't really Gosh. go into it. But I suppose Cyborg, nearly in the other film, was a high-powered vibrator. Yeah. <laughs> in many respects. He didn't feature much. As as a comic book character, he's okay. I think he mm. just doesn't have the personality of the other ones. But they did make him look like another worldly being, I suppose, because he has been infected by the power due to his father's intervention that time to try and save him from the mother box. Mm-hmm. So he, he does come across as somebody that's a bit unusual certainly and it is portrayed that way um classic use of slow-mo during the the football scenes and um, that's the mm-hmm. one thing there was quite a lot of slow-mo for everybody really excessive uh, slow-mo. yeah wonder if woman took out the slow-mo it probably would have been three hour film <laughs> yeah sometimes it worked wonder woman when she throws the suitcase up and or the briefcase that full of the explosions up into the air was very slow mm-hmm. i suppose it highlighted the jeopardy of it but it's been a criticism of the film. Some people liked it. Some people really didn't. Uh, there was slow-mo as well for Aquaman. Uh, there's slow-mo for everybody, really. I don't know why it was used so much. Actually, thinking about it now, why was it used so much? What was he trying to do with that? Apart from maybe maybe really wanted a four and a half hour movie and thought, do you know whatever you add extra spaces into things and extra words if you're doing a really hard assignment? I wonder, was he being paid by the minutes? And that's why he was, getting, yeah. he was putting slow-mo in, probably. Well, they certainly... I was going to ask you both a question because I, I couldn't work this one out. So Wonder Woman, ostensibly we got the same sort of st- introduction start as she did in the, the weeding cut, which is she's stopping something in London, uh, some terrorists. Is it normal for her to be able to stop machine gun fire? Because I don't ever recall her doing that sort of stuff. I mean, she did it a little bit, I guess, in probably her film, her first film, but I don't recall her sort of doing it that much unless I'm just having an old man memory moment but no but did she not do it in when she went to no man's land in the first film when she got out and they were all blasting the bullets at her and she was like you know pew, 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 all this here shit was that not that, did good that point. well no no good point well put that makes sense yeah so I was just surprised so, like she was moving at extreme super speed in the in this film uh, and I, I couldn't remember whether I'd seen her doing the extreme speeds and stuff so much I'm thinking in probably Wonder Woman, it was World War One. it would have been some sort of Gatlin gun. So mm-hmm. did he go full automatic or semi-automatic? I can't remember. Seen him hitting the switch at the side of the gun. He done the switch. I have a bit of, it fired 30. I remember because I saw the 30. Uh, that'll be that's semi. Probably 30. semi-automatic. Yeah, that's the three the three wee red flashes. Yeah, I thought that was quite good, actually. Yes, there was a, I did sort of disbelieve. I thought, would you be quick enough? Would you really? Uh, I don't know. But I kind of went with it because for, thank fuck for that. She actually fought like a proper Amazon in this, whereas yep. in Wonder Woman 84, she was a ballet dancer and that got on my tits so much. <laughs> when I watched it that time, I thought, fight like an Amazon. You did it in the first movie. You did it in your first mm. film beautifully because there isn't, as I said, she has a minuscule bum. And there's not very much to her. And somebody of that light of build, yes, she's tall, could look weedy and something like that. But the way she fought and the, 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 the use of the music and the power and the, yeah. the way her bangles clang together so she can use them as a sonic weapon. You believe that. You believe that somebody mm-hmm. of that build was as strong as, say, 
Lucy Lawless was in Xena because Xena was very imposing. And I think that was one of the criticisms whenever Gal was chosen that time was she was such a finely made person, ex-model, yes, ex-soldier. She served, she'd done her conscript time in the Israeli army, but she didn't have that that thing that Lucy Lawless had. You believed Lucy was Xena because of her height mm. and her build. Whereas you looked at Gal and you went, you're not really that, you're not muscular in any way. And if you imagine Wonder Woman as an Amazon, Amazon's comes into your head, somebody well-developed, well-built. But in mm. this, I, I believed, I believed that she was strong enough. She's a, she's half God, so she doesn't need to be built like a brick shit house, I suppose. But all the same, her fight scenes were amazing. And that was greatly extended for this new version because I watched a, a quick bit on YouTube yesterday where it showed the Joss Whedon version compared to Zach's. And the amount that went into it in comparison was incredible. And all credit to him as yeah. well because that was a good scene as it, as it had been, but he just made it so much better. Well, I think just from looking at the film, I have it running in the background as a memory aid for me. It's just visually, I think it's better. I remember seeing the first trailer to this film. And I was, I remember I was talking to uh, Sean about this, just saying, just visually the trailer looks better. Because I, I know I'm like I'm really kicking the crap out of the Whedon version, but you know, sod it, I am. As you will both know, I like to. I'm getting like Rob Ray. I like to give a, a little story to everything. So when I went to see the Batman vs. Superman, when it came out of the cinema, and I've probably told this story before, so apologies if I'm repeating myself, I came out of seeing Man of Steel. They were showing it the, on the evening before the film came out, and the entire cinema was packed, and I mean packed to the rafters with people, going to like the midnight screening of Batman vs. Superman. I went to see Justice League on the day it came out. It was like Ghost Town. When you look at this film, for example, Steppenwolf in this looks vastly different. And I love his communication with Darkseid. Decided, I don't think he had any involvement, did he? And did we ever actually even see Darkseid in the original Whedon cut? I don't no. think we did. No, he wasn't. That's his first screen debut. I mean, yes, Steppenwolf still sounds like somebody's grumpy uncle. Oh, don't I <laughs> and his voice was still, I still think his voice was a bit strange. But yeah, what a difference in his costume. Do you see the little scales? His little scales of armor would move. That's the heart. Did you see that as the heart was beating? You could see the. I never noticed no. that. They were oh oh I saw it and caught it and was like oh look at that so class. Every time he took a breath in, there's like it's not like a shape of a heart like a cheesy as shit version, but you could see there would have been like where a heart would be just that random little something deviation in the armor and what would be a heartbeat. You could see it like the vent like the vents or the opening closing. Wow. Then a couple minutes it would open and then close again. Like I, you've heard, you've heard me. I'm, in, I'm really, I see wee things. I might not pay attention to the picture, but wee things, I will spot <laughs> weirdly enough. Do you, do you know what he reminded me of? And particularly whenever you see him going down to get the mother box in a, a Atlantis, he looked like a hammerhead shark. Just yeah. the way the yeah. horns were. Did he look like? Now his eyes weren't on the end of his sticky out bits, as a hammerhead shark would weirdly be. But he was like a land shark. He was threatening, he was imposing, whereas in the other cut, he just looked like some sort of generic villain with armour on. It was quite disappointing. And it made him underwhelming as a villain. That's what it was about the first bit. It wasn't just the fact that you didn't know who these boys were. Steppenwolf was underwhelming. You thought, yeah, whatever, who is this boy? Like, why is he doing it? all these playing. Exactly. Yeah. He was... Mm-hmm. It made him a bit pathetic in his groveling. Like it's like, motherfucker, if you can get these boxes together, why are you not doing what Don Boy should be doing? Like you know, 
here. Yeah. Know your know your power, own your power, you evil villain man, you. But I didn't like how they made him so grovelly to the bag. I mean, like you've got Marvel do it in ways where you have people go and trying to achieve Thanos's goal and they're not grovelly to Thanos about it. It's like I'm gonna do it, and if I don't do it well, then I'm fucked. You know, that's the end of the conversation. There's no groveling as such. And I know he has to make right for certain wrongs, but if he had got sounds really bad to cheer the villain. But if he had got the boxes and took over, I'd be like, happy days, you done it, you done the work. But then for him to do it and some other random villain to be taking the credit for it would have just pissed me off a teeny bit. <laughs> if we were going to get that film in the future, I'd even cheer. But yeah. we, we all know we're not now. So. Yeah. Well, Darkseid, you see, is the ultimate evil in, in the, mm-hmm. the DC universe. He yeah. takes over worlds and makes them to look like apocalypse where he lives. Uh, everything is has no hope, no life. Thanos is actually, in many respects, a better person than Darkseid is. Yep. I mean, there's an interesting comparison. Thanos simply wanted to make, yeah. he wanted to make the world and, and the galaxies and the universe a better place by taking away a third of people. Then that would be easier on resources, easier on the environment. Interesting enough, because he would have been taking a third away a third of bacteria as well. He wanted a third of everything that lived. So that would have been kind of interesting. You're saying Thanos is responsible for COVID, pretty much. Yeah, he probably, he, he took away our antibodies. Um, but apart or, from that, you, or, you can almost... Or he's a hippie. Or he's a hippie. Yeah, he is. He's yeah. like, man, it's four o'clock in the morning. Hippie. This is a great idea. I'm going yeah, to just snap my fingers, man, and make it all go away. But he his was for altruistic reasons. His was mm-hmm. for the greater good. And it could be, okay, right enough, before that, he's gone on to plants and he was killing a third of people. And I think it is a third. Whereas uh, Darkseid, he wants, he just wants to rule it all. He wants the anti-matter life equation, whatever the fuck this is going to do. I can't remember. It's been a long time since I read the comics. To just make everything the same. He yep. wants to neutralize everything. He, and he wants to make it pain and misery. Nobody's nobody's going to get a benefit anywhere. That, uh, whether the Marvel character seen it as, as any sort of benefit at all. I would say there's probably some people that have been quite happy if somebody clicked their fingers and half their family would disappear. <laughs> Let's face no, it. No fucking oh, comment. Yeah, I know mean, thinking about you, Gabriel. <laughs> but <laughs> yes. Whereas if you lived under dark side, there is no hope. You're living on. I mean, yeah. yeah, it's a nasty place. I, mean, I, can, I can honestly say seeing dark side did not make me think what I thought when I saw Thanos and his thinking. And I've told you this before, Joanne, and I don't think I've discussed it here, but I, <laughs> how random is a thought to have when you're watching this film and Thanos comes out and he, devol- he de- discusses his plan. And I'm like, he has just ripped off the Bible, literally sacrifices his child. He wants to send something apocalyptic to clear out like quite a lot of society to give it a fresh start so it can appreciate things. Yeah, okay, that's that's pretty much Thanos. Whereas Darkseid did not make me think that. The book of Revelation. I <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I yeah. I find it interesting watching this, and it does. I'm just some of these scenes are popping up over your shoulders, so to speak, because they're over there. To me, you see the fight scenes with Darkseid. He's a badass, even when he gets beaten. You know, when the the combined powers of every gym on the planet, by the looks of it, on the the, the body shape of these people, <laughs> when he's getting like destroyed by the by the Amazons and the all the various gods. He, he still puts up a good fight, even when he gets like hammered by them, and you work out well where they put the mother boxes and things. He still is very imposing and scary. I mean, I do find it interesting that the Atlanteans have like a cool way of creating a box, as do the Amazonians. What do the humans do? They bury it in a <laughs> hole in the ground. 
You go to you go to the woods somewhere and go, well, just put a bit of dirt over it, it'll be fine. Yeah, yeah. yeah just put it. This would have been the, this is the equivalent of killing somebody and burying them in your back garden and having them <laughs> in a shallow grave. Really? <laughs> Nobody will ever know. This is the Brookside spec. This is the Brookside equivalent <laughs> of, of uh, in the DC universe. Man, yep. Everybody else has these to have these really cool guards, whereas. The, the giant vibrator known as Cyborg has nicked it at some point and is keeping it in his wardrobe. <laughs> oh, just, saunters down, just saunters down the street with it in a wee bag. I mean, <laughs> like a carryout. Again, I, I the parts that show you the total difference between the happy clappy, you know, Joss Whedon version. It's like when the lanterns are getting their asses handed to them by the uh, by Steppenwolf and Parademons, you know, where they're basically just like kicking the crap out of them to get answers and then stick these things that like suck the information out of the brains. Just a much better way of doing things. I'm getting ahead of myself on this point, but I, I will just say this now and I'll probably say again later. How the fuck is it so different and better? How? Did Whedon screw the pooch so much? How? <laughs> no, I don't think he was. I think, like you'd said, like he was given this under two hours. You need to bring in all these characters. You need to do this. And it's like you he was given. It's like when you know someone does write a really bad script, but the actor's the one showing on screen and the actor gets the berating because it hasn't come across the way it should. I think Josh Whedon done what he could with what little he had and I mean you have to remember Zach left halfway through because his daughter died so it was sort of left everything was left sort of a bit in the air I was like this is what we have this is what we need you need to fix it so he he has done what he can and I'm sure he kept what he could in it he didn't want to get he didn't want to keep all of Zach's stuff in it obviously he wants his own credit he's getting paid to do this now he's taking over something halfway through I'll never say he screwed it up because to me he he didn't. If he was given it from the beginning and he was given all the time he could and he was given no strict guidelines, I think he would have he would have made it, yes, a lighter version. He wouldn't have made it as dark and as, you know, slow mo as Snyder, but it would have had more chance. It's like he entered the race with the arms tied his legs tied together. He he couldn't get going because he had he had everything against him, if that makes I'm not saying it was it wasn't a brilliant film by any means. He just didn't have the materials to to build it to what then Zach had. Because let's face it, the company have nothing to lose anymore by releasing the Snyder Cut. They've made their money in the first place. Mm. So they're just going to rake some more in here by releasing this. Yeah, I'm actually wondering, though Warner HBO have said it hasn't made as much as Wonder Woman did whenever it was streamed and shown in the cinemas earlier on this year. Or sorry, end of last year. But yeah. I wonder is that maybe Warner going, look, we can't be arsed to make any more of these Snyder versus because and they're just making excuses because apparently in America, HBO had problems streaming for 24 hours. They crashed. Which, yeah. Yeah. Which would have been that would have cost them a lot because some people might have went, well, fuck it. I'll not bother. I'll try and pirate from somewhere. I'll wait for somebody else to maybe send it to me if I'm lucky. See, one of the issues was apparently that the whole campaign as well for the, the Snyder cut that started off, it was it was done by the cast, and it was done by fans, and it was done by some of the actors. Apparently some of the fandom was quite quite nasty. Yeah. I'd heard that. And yeah. so maybe they don't want to be seen as, yes, we've capitulated on this occasion, but don't think you can do this again. We did this because we've seen it as, as good business sense. 
Whereas if they actually said, this has been a major success, there's been lots of money, they'll go, oh shit, here we go again. We're going to, fandom's going to get on its high horse again and, and demand these other films. I still think they will anyway, because I think the Snyderverse is certainly the best way for DC to go. Then are you actually rewarding some of the nastiness in the fandom? Yeah. To me, the film felt a lot like redemption and closing of books for because you know we all seen at the end of the film for autumn it was for his daughter at the end of, he finished mm. that for his daughter and i think he was probably not entitled to it but he has probably also gone i don't know who's we all i don't know who's went to who but he's probably gone and said look i need to for my own sanity my daughter was a dc fan my daughter loved this stuff i need to finish this for her i will do my cut i will make it better and to me the whole film reeked of redemption but not yeah. in a bad, not in a bad, the whole thing, it was redemption for Schneider, it was redemption for the Joker, it was redemption for the Flash, he wasn't such a piddly character in a cyborg, one, the the Amazonians, it was just, everything got redeemed, and I think it was, that's how I felt about it being re-released, it's almost like it was, yes, it was demanded by the fans and all that there stuff, but I would think Snyder had quite a lot to try and get it done, because to fight to get it, because that's his, that would have been his grieving process at the end of the day as well. Yeah. Well, the wife, you see, was part of it. His wife is yep. part of the production team, so I can't, course, I can't remember her name. Yeah. Deborah? And Deborah, apparently, yeah. Debbie. Yeah. Christopher Nolan and Debbie said, never show this to Zach, because this would just yeah. break his heart. It's so bad. And, yeah, as you say, because it was probably tied up at a time when his daughter had committed suicide. That, that's the only thing. There was a some sort of a public fundraising to try and campaign for the Snyder Cut so that they could buy billboards and different bits and pieces to try and push push the request for the for the for this new cut. But they also donated so much of it to the American Suicide Prevention, which I thought was quite nice. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. there were some good things came out of that. And obviously we, we got this fantastic cut. But I can't help but worry... That fandom these days can be quite nasty, you and there's people that have been toxic. bullied. Yeah, yeah. It, there's been people that have been bullied off, off Twitter. Uh, look at the amount of bullying that happened after the last Last Jedi with Rose. Was it Rose, the Cantonese character? That, that's it's a similar facial expression for me, Gabrielle. Yeah. Oh no. <laughs> Forgive me, I can't remember the name. It was uh, the traitor's love interest in. The second one. Oh, fuck me. Her name's gone out of my head. But anyway. Yeah, I just thought of Lawrence Cheney and Drag Race, how he came off Twitter because he was tortured because... Oh, he did he come off Twitter? He, he came off Twitter because he won and they, oh, you didn't deserve it. And he was ripped apart. Like, I think he's back on that. He came off it for a while because it was oh, so... He, the trolls were so bad for him. Like, that was, Yeah, so there you go. There's another example because probably they thought Bimini had been robbed. So it's a getting a happy meeting between saying, yes, okay, that's great from a business point of view, but we're not rewarding your toxicity. I mean, look, looking at the film, as you said, it's a, it's, a, it's a big reward for the fans who always wanted to see it. Going back to something within the film, I love the interplay between Alfred uh, and Bruce, because I, I was really impressed with Jeremy Irons and Ben Affleck's working together in my band, particularly the line where when the entire group were first introduced to uh, Alfred's response to his response was this is alfred i work for him <laughs> yes that was lovely because i think it gave alfred a wee bit of a buzz yeah yeah it was also good to see an explanation of some of the cool gadgetry that 
Batman actually has, like the gauntlet stuff. It made yeah. sense. You actually saw, saw him getting involved in fights with the Paradines and people, and seeming to have more purpose rather than just, I don't know, what did you do, just swing on a rope a bit in the original cut and kick a few things around? I like that Wonder Woman took the piss out of the gauntlet, gauntlet things as well. She's like, oh, yeah. wonder where I got that idea. Yeah. <laughs> so that was very cute. Yeah, and by gum, did they come in useful? No, didn't yeah. they just? Because what? When Kal-El nails him later on and he thought, oh, oh, bro. And Batman genuinely looked like he was going to shit his, shit his tights at that point. Yeah. We've heard the theory. Well, it's not a theory. Snyder has confirmed it, sort of. But I, whenever you see in that scene in the here, Park of Heroes, Hero Park, whatever the hell it's called, um, and Superman's going buck daft, and Batman's shitting his bullets, and then Lois turns up and all of a sudden he stops. And he's like, ooh. Everyone's all, oh, he loves her. It's true love. It's like, no, it's not. Because earlier in the film, when Lois was grieving, in her top drawer, there was a pregnancy test, which was positive. So he did not sense his love for her. What snapped him back was a Kryptonian. Ah. But it will never be. So it was never his, uh, all right, okay, it snapped him back to then realize he loved her. But that's what made him stop. He didn't see everything as enemies because he's, you know, he's come back. He's not dead no more, and all these people he doesn't remember until he recognizes something of home, which then helped him remember all the rest of it. See, oh, I have to I... say, yeah. yeah, he did look very sexy when he was angry. Oh, I prefer oh, angry, angry Henry Cavill than, <laughs> than, than in Justice League where he was. I don't have a top lip. Angry Henry Cavill. <laughs> That's a good I mean, point. Yeah, he yeah. at least has a face that works properly, unlike when he'd CGI'd his tash off in the. Uh, he looked like he had had yeah really bad Botox or fillers or something around that area because yeah. his top lip was completely frozen looking. I like how you were looking yeah. at his face. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was true. <laughs> I wasn't looking at his face, I must admit, in this other one. Oh. Our Superman for me, I've always been a Batman person. <laughs> this is the happiest I've seen you two for ages. <laughs> <laughs> this is true, just thinking about it. But Batman, well, I'm thinking now about a flex bomb. And Batman versus Superman <laughs> extended well, we'll go back on that again if we're not careful. But Batman, so I've always been a Batman woman. I don't know why it's because Batman comes across more as a kinkster. And I've always liked that dark part of him. Whereas Superman is just, Superman's missionary all the way. And he just never, he never really did anything for me. It didn't matter, never mattered how, how good looking he was. It was just, I found him bland. Um, whereas Henry Cavill just brings something to the character. But I've never really noticed before. He And he actually says that in an interview that I was reading with him. He said that he wanted not to make him the overgrown schoolboy, the big blue schoolboy. Mm. He wanted to give him, he wanted to make him feel more realistic. And I think, credit to him, he really does. Apart from having nice bops, he's a very good actor. Yeah. I think he brought the Clark into it because if you ever notice, I think I've discussed this with, I think it was Finch before, how all the Superman villains, fil- films, all the Superman movies, uh, focus on Superman. There's no real Clark focus. Barry's this geek with the glasses. No boohoo, you know all this here. Then you get Smallville with Tom Welling, which is Clark focused, and you fall in love with Clark and who he is, and you see then who he. And I think Henry Cavill is. He literally brings. You see Clark. You see Superman. You don't just see Superman. The whole. You don't see. Do you know what I mean? You can see the both. The both in it. If that makes sense. That that's why I think Henry Cavill. He just brings the Clark into Superman. I would, I would like to uh, ask Henry to bring the Clark in, and Superman into me uh, if he's not doing anything. <laughs> <laughs> if he's not 
Lucy, if he could just look really angry and make his red eyes go red, that would be great for oh, me. Oh, oh, red eyes. Oh. He'll do you in the yeah. bath. You at least know that, don't you? That's the extent <laughs> of his kinkiness. He'll do you in the bath. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> That's tr- yes, because I, he, he came across to me, actually, in the original Batman versus Superman, the, the theatrical cut, as a bit of a panty sniffer. Because the way you would stand and look <laughs> at Lois. that, yeah. <laughs> it just looks like... You know, you, you knew that he was maybe cracking one off over our, our shock. Oh, 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 something a bit. He disturbed me greatly. So whenever we, whenever James and I reviewed the Batman versus Superman extended cut, I thought, yeah, he's a complete character here. He's not this weirdo uh, that that he really did appear to be. And, and suddenly then him getting into the bath with Lois didn't seem really creepy. It was like he was stalking her even though he lived with her. In the original one, whereas <laughs> it was more of a, a normal relationship. And I could understand why Lois fell in love with him and why mm-hmm. she was. There's there, there's a character there, Lois Lane. I can't remember the name of the actress, but I thought she portrayed the. Yes, I thought she portrayed the character of a grieving person extremely well. You could feel the absolute sorrow with her, how hard it was for her to get up in the morning because she could see the world was grieving over Superman. As his mum had said as well, the world's grieving over Superman. I'm grieving for my son. And you could really see that with her. And she goes every day to to his monument and she gives the coffee over to the cop that's guarding the monument. And she was just a really nice, complete person. And I thought she did it extremely well. Do you know what I loved about her? And I I, I think what she does is, you know, the original films, you have Lana, who clearly is the thing for Clark. You have Lois, who has the thing for Superman. Then you have Amy Adams, who literally, to me, she, why she is badass Lois Lane, she's a reporter, she has something at home about her, something, mm. the safety of Lana about her at the same time, which you don't want to kind of hate her. Anyway, you could tell Lois loved Superman, the ego, the hero, the cape. She loved that. And you kind of, I always kind of disliked Lois for that reason. It's like, oh, there's more under that suit than him. And then you always cheered for, I personally cheered for Lana because she loved Clark and Superman would be the bonus. So I, I just thought Amy Adams beautifully just portrays them both without even trying. You know, it might sound really silly because it's, it's just one character, but that's, I thought she brought that beautifully into it. I also thought she had lovely hair. I just wanted to put that on. That oh, was yes. one of the first things oh. whenever she walked across, I thought, fuck, her hair's lovely. And I love the fact that she wasn't going to work, but she, she did herself up nice just to go to the, the monument. Because mm-hmm. we but find I, out later I, on she hasn't been to work. Yeah. Yep. But I like the fact that you actually saw a bit more of what was going on with her from the grieving process. She saw her going yeah. to the monument. You didn't get any of that in the original cut. But I'll just test your geekdom here. Do you know what's special about the policeman? Or should I say, be more precise, what's special about the man who plays the policeman? Uh, the only thing that I noticed that was special about him is the fact that he thought drawing a, a, a Glock on Superman was a good idea. Oh, <laughs> I thought that was going to work. I, I just reach. I just reach here for my gun. I'm going to... Uh, no, that's not going to work. No, who, who yeah. was the actor? He's, he's, he's clearly a tough guy if he's going to do that. It's, the, it's the, the name escapes me, but it's the man who played Jimmy Olsen in the original Superman films. No way. And he was also in the Back to the Future films playing Dave. Oh, my I, um, I didn't even recognise him. Yep. Goop, that is a goop moment. <laughs> not, not, we're not talking about Gwyneth Paltrow's goop here, sure no. we're not? Yeah. No, yeah. just, just goop. Ah, goop. <laughs> it's my word for a shocking moment, a goop. 
All right. <laughs> I automatically, I hear the word goop and I just think of jade, jade, jade eggs up somebody's funny and that's about. Right, right. And, and weird oh. candles. <laughs> yeah, and weird candles. Yeah. Candles yeah. smell like your, yes, this smells like, like my hoo-ha. When? Mm. After you, well, you know, exactly what right, part of the day. Right, right, right. We don't need to know. Let's not. Okay. Good Paltrow can sell her <laughs> own shit. Let her sell her shit. I will never. She probably won't sell her shit. Yeah, I would, I would personally buy a food-smelling, food-smelling candle. Wouldn't buy one, but each to their own. Yeah. Could you imagine smell the candle? Yeah, that just smells like a family. Wow. Ah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I could just say that. You go into, you go into somewhere and go. Um, I mean, if she was selling them in a shop, and you go and look, it's Mother's Day. I'd really like to get my wife something nice. Could you sell me a candle, please, that might smell like her family? Yeah, sure. We've got a Paltrow's whole range here. We have a. I've just been. For, yes, I've just been uh, on the on the exercise bike there for an hour range. Um, <laughs> yes, there's the there's the hit. You know the high intensity training range, so many different ones. There's, there's the uh, probably could do with a wee bit of a scrub. Hasn't seen the shower for two days range. You know all those. That would be the cheesy taco um, range, Joanne. It would be there. Then there's of course the I've completely waxed myself from head to toe because I think I'm going to get a shag range. Oh right, okay. Let's get let's get yeah. back to. John wants Henry Cavill to shag her twice. <laughs> there we go in the bath. Okay, right back to. Superman and his beautiful body and not fish smelling. Well, here, and if he's super speed, we don't want super speed, but like I have to say. Here, speaking of super speed, right? Mm-hmm. And this is this is actually relevant to the discussion we're having, not foofs and candles, but the film. The film, the filth part not of the, the film. The, no, just the films in general, right? When we were discussing the original Justice League, I think I'd said this something before. To me, it Marvel done it good. Remember where they, I said they introduced the characters? It was almost like they were in it for the long haul with the sex, right? Imagine a really good set. You have all this foreplay going on, bit of a tease, bit of this, bit of that. Oh, yeah, baby. You know, and then all of a sudden it comes to the climax, end game, happy days, everybody's happy, right? There's been lots of shit played with. There's been lots of stuff going on. Everybody's happy at the end of the day, right? DC came in and went, ooh, let's have a quickie. Bang. Ain't nobody satisfied. <laughs> going. <laughs> You know, you give me the wham, the bam, and the not so thank you. Where, do, do you know what I mean? That's where they needed to learn from, like, if they look at it like that. So that sort of brings it back a little bit. There you go. That's well, nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, they, they left like me it. wanting more. I like it. Yes. They left us wanting more, and that's no bad thing. You wanted to go back yep. again for a second date. Sometimes you, you have to You want to go back to get finished. Like, you want to go back to get finished. Yes. Yeah. Well, you so, see, sometimes you read the like, comic, finish it yourself. You didn't need to finish it yourself. That's so, true. So, yeah, the, the, the Snyder film left you satisfied, your hair completely ruffled and sticking all over the place. You're in a state of shock. The Whedon film was like, and? Uh, yeah. I mean, as, 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 uh, the way to look at life is sometimes you, have, sometimes you have to go back and do something again to make sure you didn't like it the first time around. Yeah. That's true. That's I will say, the, the, this remake, Zack Snyder's Justice League, it was good for a quickie, good to be satisfied, but it's still left bits, you know, you're going to, you're, there's going to, there's been so many things teased. It's almost like they got the mm. spot the odd time and then went, ha ha, like, we're not doing that anymore. You know, ha <laughs> 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 Did you see the Green Lantern ring at the beginning? Yes. Yeah. That's never going to happen. So why the fuck put it in there? Why was it there in the first place? Well, I think that was because on their own, the Atlanteans, the gods, and the Amazons and the useless men 
because let's face it, what are human? What user humans going to be at that time? Yeah. Couldn't do it all on their own. It took a Green Lantern to step in too. It was the it was the age of what was it? The age of heroes, which happens again later on. And that Diana actually references. They said there would never be another age of heroes. I wonder who That's that went mean. to actually, because the ring usually goes out and finds somebody else. On it was own. Ryan Reynolds anyway. W- you don't oh, think no. it was Ryan Reynolds then? Just hanging yeah, around. Ryan Reynolds. Even he would run away from the lantern ring if it came near him right now. <laughs> no, don't think so. Not here. I am I'm not in to receive help. that package. <laughs> that was an Amazon delivery. <laughs> <laughs> Very true. So, I mean, I really like the way they brought Clark back from the dead. It was a bit more interesting and a bit more probable. Well, there's a bit more motion, emotion to it. You know, you see the picture of his dad, you know, and it goes into the water and things. And they just seemed a bit more, well, for one thing, it made a bit more sense bringing him back. You know, when they actually had Barry doing something worthwhile, bringing him back. Yeah. And as you said, it was so much of a better scene, so much more of an emotional scene when you see him coming back and people dealing with him. And certainly the interaction between Martha and Clark and Lois is much, much better than it was in, oh, fake lip, uh, you know, original version. Um, but I was going to ask a question about the, the whole thing when they sort of brought him back. The black suit. Oh. Did you like that? I mean, I was, I did, I really liked that. But the, you know what really disappointed me when they brought him back? Where was the mullet? These cow, the cowards have still not brought us the proper black-suited, long-haired <laughs> Superman that we should oh, be getting. Yes, that's true. From the death of Superman, when his hair was longer. Yeah. Mm. I, you know, I didn't even think of that. I, I was just so pleased to see the black suit because uh, Whedon he went with the traditional blue and red, the good guy suit. Whereas I thought it gave Clark, Clark was like, he was almost like he was still, it was, he had mourned who he was mm. in, in his first version. So he was wearing black for his rebirth. I just thought it gave him a really nice edge. And I know I'll end up seeing a lot of cosplayers now in black suits, mm-hmm. an awful lot, because it is just such, it's so striking to see. So mm-hmm. yeah, it was, it was lovely. And did you notice that whenever he goes back into the, the crash ship, that it brings out different suits for him to, yep. to choose. Yes, that and I like that. And yeah, I, like I could do that with the, that. There was also a body, wasn't there? In one of the dead um, yeah. body, in one of the the uh, the pods. Mm-hmm. Oh, but interesting. I also found out that if you go back and watch the the Whedon cut, his suit looks very bright. You know, when it's the coloured suit, and it's simply because. The original footage he had that was the you know Zack Snyder's cut, it was the black suit, so they had to basically computerize it all to make it coloured, to make it you know, the traditional red, white, and oh. uh, red, white, sorry, red and you know and blue. blue. What is red, white, and blue? It's, it's, it's the American thing, isn't it? The red, white, and blue. There's no where's the white? There's no white. It's yellow. Oh, it's yellow. It's a star-spangled banger thing, isn't it? You know, <laughs> are you are you American getting confused with the boys or something here? Because I'm pretty sure they're where's probably. the white difference? Where's the probably white? Probably I'm. You know me. My memory doesn't work properly anymore. <laughs> <laughs> the boys is great, apart from the fact that um, Carl Carl Urban is shit. But anyway, his, his accent. accent. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> He's a dick. But anyway, we'll not go into that. That's. That's yes. a story for another day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But no, I thought, yes, I, I was really glad to see that. And it suited the seriousness of what was going on at that time. We were facing the end of, I mean, Earth turns out Earth's fucking really, really, you know, it's important to everybody. It's important to Marvel and it's important in the DC universe, which is fair enough because that's where we all live. So I suppose it's quite nice to think that 
humans are narcissistic enough that our planet is the most important <laughs> thing anywhere in time and space. It's, it's all mm, happens here. That's true. I mean, I also did like when you finally see all the mother boxes have been got and you know the 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 the, the everything's going to basically go shit wrong. Uh, and they've gone to, to there's somewhere in Russia, I think, aren't they, where the the giant, you know, it's probably supposed to be like Chernobyl or something. It is. I think I it's just supposed say, to be Chernobyl. I'll just say one thing that makes me really, really, really happy about this film. They got rid of that stupid, sodding Russian family thing. What? Yes. Yes, 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 and yes. I mean, it was bad enough when I watched the original cut, and I'm like, why is this pink? Why is this so shit, the CGI, that it looks like, you know, somebody on a bloody Amiga has been doing, you know, doing working on this one and then the russian family it, it, why it didn't serve a purpose it, oh, anyway yeah yeah, yeah gabrielle you, you you're you have a family obviously if, if if things got really tough that you and gordon would move the kids out to somewhere like chernobyl because it's lovely out yeah. there it's, yeah. it's the perfect idea you it's why 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 would you not move your family to somewhere that uh, they could possibly die painfully of cancer but Make I sure the insurance is up to date first, right? Well, that's true. I mean, <laughs> I mean Aqu- Aquaman would, says, yeah, Aquaman yeah. says in, in, in the other cut that whenever, I can't remember, someone asks him, look, why on earth would you move your family out here? And he says, whenever, this is what happens when you've nowhere else to go. Would you really go all, all the way into a radioactive wasteland? Now, I know it's getting better, and there are certain tours and all that you can go in now, and you can stay for a very short period of time. But even at that, you could even go to the outskirts. Uh, once, once, once your kid starts growing four legs and a tail <laughs> and barks, you know you've probably gone too far in. Yeah. But but if you went, look at it this way, you know, when you talk about, you know, weird stuff, you know, and, and, and things growing, could get cheap food, you know, four-headed goat or eight-limbed sheep or something. <laughs> I, that's another running thing. It's because there hasn't been as many people in. There was a series about it. I can't remember what I was watching. I think I might have been Gabrielle. a guy or something. <laughs> <laughs> Four nipples was that? <laughs> oh, yeah, Guy Martin. I think it was. I think it might have been Guy Martin. I can't remember. Actually, went into Chernobyl and was able to go in there for a very short period of time. But the report coming back was that the wildlife was starting to take over an awful lot more, and because there hadn't been any, there's not the same interference from man that nature was coming back quite well. But there, the sky's a funny color and. And now you've got parademons. It's not really the ideal place to raise your family. Yeah. It did. It made. It just made no. Yeah. That, uh, and they made in this cut. If you look at certainly, they gave a lot more to Cyborg, and they gave um, more to Barry. They made him more of an actual believable character. You know, he, he had a the relationship with his father was very touching. You know, going to see him in prison, he tried to get a job as a dog walker. Okay, um, he, he got to his future wife in the shape of Iris, who he saved from the the the, the, the car crash. Um, but he also he, he had the importance of the fact that he created all the electrical field for bringing back, you know, Superman. But the beautiful, wonderful scene when he started doing the basically, you know, powering up the battery sort of thing at Chernobyl to to try and defeat, you know, uh, Steppenwolf and stop Darkseid. And you see him sort of saying that, come on, where he says, right, you know, if I'm so like, I'm going to die, Dad. I've done my best to try and make you proud. And that's a, re- that's a, that's a very emotional, lovely scene to see. And then you see him sort of doing things like, you know, revert, you will revert. I'm correct in thinking he reverses time a bit, doesn't he? He does. Yep. 
Him, him and Flash and Cyborg basically save the day at the end of the day. Yeah. They are basically the ultimate heroes. And I'm so glad they got the character arcs they were given in this one because without Cyborg being able to read the mother boxes because he's technically part yeah. of them, without the Flash going faster than he's ever done before that something funny kind of happens with time, he was able to rewind the time that couple of seconds. So technically the villains succeeded. Technically they, they won. Mm. They damn well won. And if it was not for Barry the Flash... It would have been a totally different fucking movie. We would probably not have gone to see it, and it would have been very disappointing. But if it wasn't for him and that surge of power and that fastness to rewind the time just that bit, it it, it was amazing. I thought it was it just gave them the real him and Cyborg were both given that character arc and polish finesse that they needed. Really, I thought I, I liked. Yeah, I I liked the fact that you were able to see what happened when the when the when the heroes didn't win. I love that because yeah. I often think yeah. in, in Star Wars, here going back to Star Wars again, in, in The Return of the Jedi, I would love to have seen Luke going, yes, I will slay Vader and rule by your side, Palpatine. And there's always mm-hmm. that, I wonder what would have happened if the dark side had won. And you see in this actually what would have happened if the bodies had won. And it's quite horrific. So I was quite pleased with that. And Barry's a manipulation of the Speed Force. That's pretty traditional, Barry has gone and gone into Speed Force a few times to change things. Sometimes it works out, sometimes it doesn't. But it was well it was well done this. Actually mm-hmm. it was kind of unusual as well. Did you notice the way he ran? He ran like somebody's mum. Well he ran He'll like my mum. Let me run a bit. A funny yeah. arm thing that he does. Yes. But, but we always used to laugh at my mum when we were kids when she ran she was like you just could sort of maybe see that of you it was like <laughs> you know the arms are sort of like going in funny directions. You put it perfectly, Gabrielle, and you were saying how it was, there was, you know, it, well, to be fair, the people who were the real heroes of this film were not so much the characters you would expect, because Superman, really, if you think about it, was sidelined until they brought him in back in at the end. This is the real fun part, because you can see this, but anyone else that doesn't know him doing all the hand gestures and hand movements, but he was brought in really at the end of the film to, to fight, uh, you know, and kill Steppenwolf with his sad, sad eyes. I love the way they got rid of Steppenwolf in this mm-hmm. compared to the, you know, oh, look, it's so scary. Parademons feed on fear, as we got in the original cut. And, oh, look, I'm going to, you know, I'll insert some weird scene with Batman fighting some villain uh, who's like a mugger because, you know, parademons feel fear. So in the end of the original, the parademons will attack Steppenwolf because they feel fear. Uh, yeah. Go fuck yourself. That was terrible. Yeah. Uh, this was a did, proper ending. It was. Did nobody else think whenever Wonder Woman took his head off, I could hear going, there can be only one. <laughs> she completely Highlandered him. She clouded him. That makes sense because what, think about it, when Barry only were digging up Superman, Barry uh, did say to, uh, you know, Cyborg, do you think she likes all, do you, you know, do you think uh, she, you know, <laughs> she'd be attracted to me? You know, I've got a thing for older women, and she's like, you know, she's 5,000 years old. No, do you think she likes younger men? He's like, she's 5,000 years old. Everybody's young to her. That's <laughs> brilliant. It was because you could start to see the relationship between uh, Flash and, and um, Cyborg developing. Um, mm-hmm. and I thought that was quite nice because obviously there's the – there's because they're, they're probably around about the same age, so it kind of made sense for them mm-hmm. to bond. Yeah. Even though Barry still runs like somebody's mum. I mean, we've got to go back to that again. What? But the flailing arms, Bar and Barry. 
Maybe not run funny. Like- I'm I'm somebody's mum and I don't run like that. <laughs> That's true. You don't. <laughs> We've you just march, got long you, know, you march angrily into things. There's a difference, Gabrielle. You, know, you don't <laughs> run. You march. You march angrily. Lady, I'm a sprinter. Lady, I'm a sprinter. <laughs> my arms are in, my fists are clenched, and I go like a fucking finger like. But I have never <laughs> seen in my life anyone run like. Well, I did. Maybe Aurora when she was about seven years old. <laughs> but he does. He runs like he's just he's just lost control of his limbs in some way. That I I can't believe that he could actually turn back the hands on the clock last weekend. Whenever the clocks went back an hour. Forward and arc, my goodness, there we go. The clock's moved some distance. I'm in the speed force, so obviously I'm confused what direction the clocks are going to be in, but he just flailed. He's a flailer. Yeah. Well, to I me, mean, that, that, really? that, that keeps his geekiness. That keep, that's the wee nod there. Yes, you're it's, right. It's his geek, you're right. It's, it's still, it's his flaw. Yeah. And that's what he has. He has the flaw in there somewhere. You know, it's as we already, he's an idiot. He's a, he's a, Total geek. I mean, he's the flash. He'd be seen as a hero, but the way he runs just keeps that geek nod. It's like Superman and the curl. There's always something a bit, you know, a bit geeky about it. You have to keep a nod to the geek. I think in there. Uh, what I, I did love though was the way, as I said, you know, the, the proper getting rid of Steppenwolf. You know, because mm-hmm. I, I do remember reading when they talked about what way before this was ever released. They're sort of saying in the cut, you know, he gets beheaded. I'm like. Whoa, that'd be something. But yeah, they really do do it well, you know. And you, the shot you get of um, of Darkseid, Granny Goodness, and um, uh, Desad on the planet, where they're basically saying, like, "Well, you know, because he's basically he's going to crush your head, isn't he, Darkseid?" He's like, mm-hmm. you know, he's no use to me now. Um, but yeah, and they're just saying, "Like, well, what are we going to do? We're not going to be able to take the planet over." And he just goes, "Basically, ready the troop, sort of thing." Yeah, use the old ways. So yes. basically, just he was fucked waste. I yeah, mean, and we will like never know what the old ways are because again, there will be no follow through. Mm. I, I, yeah. What a shame. I mean, I like, I do like the fact in this film there was that it, it showed real loss, real emotional impact upon the characters. You know, you had Cyborg losing his father. You had, uh, I mean, which was quite a thing because. In the original cut, it ended with a nice happy ending and him with his dad, but there was actually a proper resonance. He'd lost his, his father in it. You know, that, that really that really was something that showed you. The sheer impact that, the emotional impact that the loss of Clark had had on people, you know, on Lois and on the, the world in general, was just, it was something else. And the emotional impact that, you know, Barry's estrangement from his dad, great, great stuff that you didn't originally see. And then you even sort of see with... Um, Aquaman saying he's got a forged relationship with his father, you know, and get away from Amber Heard's weird English accent in this film, but, you know. <laughs> yeah. I was just kind of glad that when I saw Mira in this one, I didn't see Amber. And that's one thing I'm always sort of, because Amber Heard has such that bad reputation, that, that mm-hmm. stigma now. And personally, I don't like her myself for all of it, but I'm really glad I didn't. I was really worried when I saw her, I would see Mm-hmm. her not Mira but I saw Mira and I was then I was totally fine and she wasn't in it that long wouldn't have, if she had died it would have been people would have stopped bitching about the fact that she might be coming she's coming back in the next Aquaman who's going to play her she can't she's dead that's it shh leave it be but you know she wasn't given any more than what she should have been given which I thought was good and neither was Aquaman because he is Momoa is such a, a presence and he's he's so adored and he's he's such a character that I was sort of worried when Aquaman was in it, he would not him on purpose take over, but that he would 
but his his lines were literally one liners. He had zingers. He had he was just a cool uncle somewhere along for the ride to kick someone's butt because we didn't need his story. And that's what I really enjoyed. We didn't need his story because we've had it. So I enjoyed that. He wasn't he was just a cool uncle along to help kick someone's butt. That was it. That's literally why he was there. He was part of the team. Didn't need to know anything else about it. And it didn't feel yeah. wrong. No, that, that's a good point. I actually hadn't thought of him that way. He I think he brought a bit of humanity to them, trying to yeah. remind them, hang on here, we could fuck this up and that will cost humanity. Whereas Bruce is more, humanity's fucked anyway, it's worth the risk. I think Aquaman was trying to mitigate the risks a wee bit more. He he didn't, I think he didn't believe it was their right to make an overall decision for all of humanity. Mm-hmm. Mm. And whenever you see him, he's more about saving the individuals. He was living in these small towns depending on the season he rescued the scottish trollerman that time and he did he was in is it norway because they come down to send yep. him off which was a beautiful oh it's iceland it's beautiful icelandic song uh so he was very much known and he must obviously have been kept secret as well by these small communities so he's all about the individual and the smallness of the planet mm. he's bruce is more the the big picture whereas aquaman's the individual and the family so, yeah, he's he's a very, I think it's quite good. Whenever you have a team, you need people and the team that will do different parts. You need the big thinker. You need the deep thinker. You need the extrovert, the introvert. The ones will go out and go out on a limb and other ones will go, you need to think about this. So the team probably had all that. I think Diana is probably the most well-rounded character of the whole lot of them. Yeah. She doesn't mm-hmm. have the same flaws, but then she has been mm-hmm. around 5,000 years to work it out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she didn't have much of an opinion either when it came to things. It was always Bruce, no. and she was just right. there to do that. I didn't sort of, you know, Aquaman was allowed to voice his opposition to an idea. You never really heard Wonder Woman say, give her perspective, her thoughts on it. It was just she's going along with what was going on. But I did like the scene where she was almost about to, she couldn't quite get to her sword, and then Barry just ding, get up there and was like, oh, awesome. <laughs> So even she needs help. I mean, it was nice to see that they all needed help at some point. Speaking of Wonder Woman, one part that absolutely that I, I mean loved just for the sh- and I still remember seeing it when I watched it the first time. I was like, whoa! Is when you see uh, Cyborg seeing the future and he sees uh, you know the death of people, but he sees you see Wonder Woman on a funeral pyre with coins on her eyes. Yes. Like, Holy shit. I mean, that was. Yes. Yeah, that was something. That was great. Mm-hmm. I, I really liked that as well because it was very. It took me to some of the scenes in Xena where, where some of the warriors, they were being burnt and Xena would, would uh, cry at their their their, pyre, their funeral pyre. I thought it was very Amazonian. And you see the, the grief with Queen Hippolyta again, more mm. grief. Grief is definitely a thread through mm. this. I hadn't really thought about it before. It's, it's probably in Snyder's own grief was working its way through yeah. the whole yeah. at the same time. You can't so. see that though, yeah. I, I mean, but you see, you see characters properly getting picked off as well at that point. You know, you see yeah. uh, Aquaman's killed on his own trident. You get to see the Omega beams properly uh, being used by Darkseid, which was just very cool stuff to see. And uh, you get to see the fallout from the death of Lois, what the effect it's had on Clark. Which is interestingly in the Batcave. So I thought it was in a strange location to have that happen. Mm-hmm. I said, love how the end that's you're talking about things that happen in the future. That's one, and then you've got the. I know I'm jumping straight on to like the 
the end chapter, the epilogue, go on, where go on, go on. The, the future, <laughs> yeah. you know, you have the Dad future. Talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. And you have how you have the Joker there and Bat's talking about how Harley died in his arms and oh, how they're yeah. coping with this. And I have to give, um, I was actually talking to someone the other night and they pointed this out and I never, well, if you the comics, you know, Joker killed Robin. That's that's mm-hmm. fine. I loved how Jared Leto just throws in the zinger, never send a boy wonder to do a man's job. You're like, oh, you didn't say it. You didn't yeah. go there. You said it. Oh, boy. You know, I I loved seeing the Joker in that epilogue. And I, yes. I know everyone is so hard on Jared Leto. We were discussing how Whedon's version is crap, but it's not his fault because he was so restricted. I always felt the same with Leto and his version of the Joker. Mm. He could only do what he was bloody given, and he there, there was lots of shit cut that he that wasn't shown. So this, I thought, again, redemption in some way. He only was given a few minutes, but he showed more menace and malice and mischievity in that. Is that even a word? Mischievity is that even a word? Anyway, if it is or it isn't, I don't know. <laughs> but in that, in those, in that, in those few moments towards Batman, he's mm. just there for chaos and carnage and does not give a. Fiddler's fuck with what he says, and I lived for that. That and it just to me redeemed him. Well, well, let's talk about really? what he says. He he actually used the quote where he, he mentions James knows here and he's laughing because he knows rightly what I'm gonna say. He says that he would always be there basically for a reach around for Batman. <laughs> that that was actually Jared made that up. That was an ad lib. I wish I could remember the exact quote now. Basically, that he's he's saying that he's always good for a reach around for Batman. Uh, so don't, don't kill him because you know that I'm always there for a reach around but apparently Jared Leto he ad-libbed that and they kept it in and it's perfect because and, and Frank Miller's Dark Knight Returns which has had a massive influence on the Snyder mm. Snyder franchise Batman and Joker have a strange relationship yeah. you know he calls Joker calls him Batman darling mm. He he's in love with Just, Batman yeah. His yeah his whole life revolves around Batman and he comes out of this sort of like catatonic state that he's in, in and like an old people's home, like in a care home, when he sees Batman has come back again out of retirement and that wakes him up. His life and his meaning is Batman and he will do anything to keep Batman's interest. Even getting the shit kicked in is foreplay to Joker. Mm. So that sexual tension that the Joker feels towards Batman, that certainly Batman does not have any intentions that way with, with the Joker. That It's never reciprocated. Jared, I thought he portrayed that beautifully. He just nailed that aspect in the head, which nobody ever touches on in the films. No, no I did think it was a very good scene. And I love the the mention of the death of Harley Quinn as well. Because mm-hmm. uh, I was like, oh! Yeah. But it's, I mean, I also like the fact that at one thing, <laughs> when I saw the original version of this, the Whedon version, I remember the, th- the one part of the scene that I was the most excited by was the scene between... Um, it's Deathstroke, isn't it? And Lex Luthor on the on the yacht. Yeah. Now, and in this, it's slightly different because he basically he doesn't tell Timmy like let's start let's start our own baseball team. Yeah. He's just like a league of our own. <laughs> <laughs> but in the original, he's uh, in this one. He starts saying basically, you know, I know who Batman's really is. He's Bruce Wayne. I've given this information. Run forth, destroy, sort of thing. Um, which I still think is a brilliant scene on both versions of the film. But I love seeing this alternate nightmare future where clearly, you know, Batman is not able to do as much heavy weightlifting as he once was because he's noticeably skinnier. 
Is it just a suit holding them up? It seems to look like that. I mean, I love that it showed the Martian as well. It was just, there was so much in that epilogue that was just... Well, when he wakes up... Beautiful. ...from the nightmare, because I do like the fact that he also touched on the nightmares in this film, because he's talking to Diana earlier on in the film, and he says, you know, I had this weird dream where, you know, I'm sorry, Barry uh, Allen appeared and told me stuff. Uh, But uh, I'm going to ask you both this. So the scene, you know, Bruce wakes up in his his glass uh, little glass-fronted, well, not little, his glass-fronted Lakeshaw house-come-garage uh, um, and meets the Martian Manhunter we've seen earlier in the film uh, this, you know, speaking to, to Lois Lane, pretending to be, you know, Martha. Bit weird, but, you know, we'll run with it. I thought this was a really interesting scene, but wouldn't you be a bit pissed off if you were Bruce? You've been through all this stuff and the Martian Manhunter has done nothing to help any of you at all. It <laughs> worked. Hey, I, well I, done. Your parents would be so proud. To, to, to me, it didn't. To me, I loved the Supergirl series. And to me, when I saw him, I screamed because all I could think was John Jones, the character in Supergirl. And I loved it. And while he's a Martian Manhunter, he's a green Martian. There's white Martians too, but there's green Martians. And if, I don't know if this is, this is linked, but this is how I saw it, so I don't actually know if he is a Green Martian in this. I need, you know, but in the Supergirl series, John Jones is a Green Martian and he looks like mm-hmm. that, so pretty the same. And why he works for like this, I can't remember what the freaking company, whatever it is anyway, but he works for a human kind thing and he's disguised as a human, totally fine, but he stays out of it because his whole race was destroyed because of white Martians. So I, I didn't, I didn't see it as as that to me I saw it was a bit of self-preservation and maybe now he knows that earth is it earth will be protected and now he feels safe enough to maybe step out the next time around and help because there's people there to have his back that's how I saw it but that's only because I I linked it with John Jones from Supergirl and I know they're the Green Martian history as such like he's the last surviving Green Martian in Supergirl so is he the same in this I I don't know how it all plays in together but probably so wrong but that's how my brain saw it and understood it and i will stick with that theory in my head because it makes me feel safe when i go to bed at night (laughs) well i i heard james saying describing bruce's place as a cum garage and then i didn't hear anything else (laughs) Uh, not quite uh, i think you heard what you wanted to didn't you (laughs) so so i all i thought was cum garage yeah, he's nailed. He's nailed a lot of women there. We do, we do see him having sex with with a woman. Well, he wakes up the next day and takes pills. Yes. I don't think they're Viagra. I think they're maybe some sort of ibuprofen type things, some anti-inflammatories because his joints are fucked. But um, mm. yes, I can't even think now. No, <laughs> because I'm too busy. I've gone off into a completely different world altogether. Yes, Martian Manhunter comment appearing at that point. Yes, he's the he is the last of his race, and he appears. Actually, that character appears in the other movies too. Uh, in mm. fact, he's Lois's source in the Batman versus Superman extended cut. That's correct. Yeah. Where they look, where these rounds had, had, you know, where they'd been sourced from and, and what their composition was. It's quite, it was quite exciting. Um, but from what I read as well, the reason why Martian Manhunter was in was some fan theory was circulating on the internet and uh, Snyder would sell it and thought, Oh, that's quite a good idea. I think I'll use it. And that's why he seemed to be, sort of flitting around on the edges. Um, I, I did. I, I liked it. I mean, he's a good character. The yeah. fact that he's last of his race and he's terrified of fire and everything. And he's, he's been used quite well in the comics at times. 
So that is, that is, I'm not wrong. So I'm not wrong. I can't can't remember about the white Martian business in the comics. All I remember is that about him being the last of his race. I mean, sorry. Oh yes. He's definitely the last of his race. Yeah. He's terrified of fire as well. That's, that's his weak bit. He's scared of fire. But yeah, I think you're right. I think suddenly he thought he wouldn't just be out on his own, Mm -hmm. uh, that he would have, there is actually a cadre here of of heroes that are willing to put themselves on the line that Mm. have actually proven themselves. Plus, he knows how what the incoming. He knows that the storm is coming. That dark seeds on his way, using his special Martian yucky dash stuff. So he and thought the, these these people can't cope with it. I mean, this man's come garage is simply not going to be able to stand no, the, the uh, true. dark seed. Uh, so, dark side. I'm so, doing it again. Yeah. I'm the dark seeds. <laughs> so, so even with oh, even with all the cum holding up the walls, you don't feel being a yeah, strength integrity. <laughs> even even bad cum not going to work in this occasion. Wow. Really. Really? Move on. It's really not going to work. <laughs> Gabriel, you're, you're, sitting, you're sitting in a shed at the moment. Is that your cum shed? <laughs> right. I'm going to not even answer that. With I will not dignify that with an answer. Just going to say, I will Gabriel, take this, this, approach. This, is, this is a tame conversation for me and Joanne. You do know this. Right? Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> Joanne has seen so, me and how I get playing cards against humanity, so she knows how squirmy I actually get, and this okay. is really nothing. So I, I will end with the question that I always want to ask, which is, what do you give it out of 10? And who <gasps> would like to go first? 10? You know what happens every time you say to me, what would you give it out of 10? And I usually you give me something out, out of five. five. <laughs> <laughs> I always answer. I don't I don't four. Out of really? You hate it that <laughs> much? <laughs> you you seen it crazy this. earlier. <laughs> That's exactly it. I always get a bit confused. Um, I think I would give it, out of ten, now I have to. I was actually about to say four and a half, but that's again, that's out of five. I think I would give this a nine. Mm-hmm. Mm. Out of ten, I would give it definitely give her one. Give her one, you boy. Give her one. No, I I would say eight and a half, maybe yeah. Just because I just thought I didn't like that it left you with so many teasers that'll never be fulfilled. That's it. For the only yeah. thing. I think John's having a rave down in the bottom. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, I, I'm gonna actually turn the light on because it's got very dark in here. And my in my cum garage, there we go. <laughs> um, so right, so if you could improve anything about the film, what would you improve? And I'm gonna go with Gabrielle first because Joanne answered the the first uh, question last time. Um, what would I improve? And this is why I'm not a movie director. I have no real answer. Uh, <laughs> um, I don't. I don't know if I'm totally honest. Um, I can't. I genuinely can't think of what would improve it because Snyder did improve so much on the first one. Then mm-hmm. asking for any more is just basically asking for more movies, and that is, you know, for him to improve the first one, he had to extend it so mm-hmm. much. So for it to be improved anymore, it would just be give us some more movies. Like, you know, we're getting the Flash movie, thank God, which is going to be good. You know, that would I just think he done enough in this film to give the unknown characters the perfect story arc. Even the likes of Cyborg's dad was given more meat to his bones. There was mm. more, there was more stuff around him. There was just more to everyone, and that filled them out more. That it made it a very satisfying quickie at the end of the day. It's it's ironic that you said meat on the guy's bones because with what happens to him, there ain't no bones, ain't no meat, ain't no nothing. Yep. So, Joanne. 
Well, I think, well, something I mentioned earlier, I wouldn't have made Batman so vulnerable. That's mm. probably my only criticism. It took it out of me, you know, a wee bit away from the film because I thought Batman is never this vulnerable. He was also a wee bit humble at times in ways that Batman usually mm. isn't. But that's probably because I've come come from a point of view of being a huge Batman for many decades. And this is this wasn't the Batman that Affleck had played before. I seen mm-hmm. parts of it, but Batman was a wee bit too much like a secondary character at times. I just thought he could have been I don't know. I wish he just had been a bit more independent. Mm-hmm. Um I don't know. I mean I really liked the portrayal of Wonder Woman. I was so glad to see her as a proper Amazon again. That was great. And obviously I loved seeing the Amazons. The the Atlanteans didn't really mean anything to me. Yes, it was nice to see them, but and, and their costumes were great, but they, they didn't really feature too much in my radar. But yes, I think it would be Batman. And yeah, I really want to see what's going to happen next. I wish it had been as well, uh, possibly a series. Well, actually, what they were going to talk about initially, I think, was a movie and then a series. That might have been quite yeah. good. I'd like to have seen a lot more of this. I think this could have easily been a series like they did The Watchmen. You could have easily had 10, 12 episodes out of this. Because gone are the yeah. days of the of the 22 episodes that would have happened in each series from an American from an American series. You know, it used to be 22 mm. episodes per season. They don't do that anymore. It's like 10 or 12, which I think kind of sells things short at times. Yeah, that's probably what I've done. I would have just expanded it more. As Gabriel said, I'm greedy. I just want to see more. Don't leave it this way. Don't leave me this way, as the commune arch saying. Yeah. <laughs> I think what you're telling me is, John, you want the full length and girth. I do. I want it all. I want to take it all. I want I want the full Henry Cavill experience. <laughs> Don't shortchange me. I'm nearly there. Don't pull out too soon. <laughs> so how would I rate this film? I would definitely give it 9 out of 10. I am still eternally, eternally grateful that this film actually came out. I think... Uh, it, it's done a huge service to the fan community, and I just think it was an incredibly well put together film. It still has the wow factor for me. You know, I can watch it again. I can at some point watch the black and white version, which I thought, you know, I know it's just a change in color saturation or removal of color, but I think it'll be an interesting change in tone to see that cut. What would I do differently? I'd like to have seen a bit more of Jim Gordon, to be honest. I think he was oh, a very yes. used character. He was just in Good and one. out. And I think because he was very much designed to look like the proper comic book style with um, uh, the way uh, J.K. Simmons, wasn't it, was playing him. I would have liked to have seen a bit more of how that how that he looked and how how the relationship could have been there. But, yeah, I would have liked to maybe have seen a bit more of, uh, you know, Batman being a bit more grumpy (laughs) as he normally is. Um, He was too nice. But. Again, maybe the idea is that he's feeling, well, he, he feels he owes, uh, you know, he owes um, society and Superman, I guess, for what's happened. And I would have actually liked to have seen more Jeremy Irons, because Jeremy Irons as Alfred is brilliant. And I think that would have been really good. Uh, and if I could improve it really in any way, give us give us part two, give us part three. That'd You know, that'd make, that is the only real huge improvement I could see, but... As a film goer, as a comic book fan, I absolutely have loved this. I'm just glad that things that in the past would have been a complete myth that we could have only dreamt about, that we've actually seen a film released as it should have been. And I think that's just great. Yep. I got to start the campaign, release the Rogue One cut. 
the one that we never seen that was in the trailers back to Star Wars. Yeah. Again. I don't know what is with me tonight, but yes, that's the one that I would really love to see. The rogue one that was in the trailers. We never seen that one with mm. the stormtroopers coming out of the sea and Mon Mothma saying, saying, I have a job for you mm-hmm. to Jyn Erso. We never got to see all that. So there are, apparently there's also a another version as well of Mrs. Doubtfire. Yes. I've yes. That, yeah. The 17, mm-hmm. like, an, like, a, like a plus, like an X-rated version. Yeah. I want to see it so bad. <laughs> and I oh my think God, that would I be a nice it. salute to Robin yeah. Williams. I think that would awesome. be a great idea too. Hello, Kitty. <laughs> well, on that, I've, I think we've, I think she's a perfect place to sign off. I think we've been talking more than enough. So, like, cuddle, cuddle. We've all gone in maybe a bit down because we've had to discuss the fact there won't, you know, be any of these future films. And we're coming out happy having discussed it and talk about the future films we we, we want to see in different cuts. So what I will say is, because I do also like to we throw out this out to the salty tadpoles, which is, do you have any films you would like to see released that have never been released? Uh, and did you also, any of you guess Gabrielle's word? Because I still don't think we've got an answer to that, have we? I don't think so. No. Uh, and I said it earlier. There's a clue. No, I said a lot of oof. words earlier. And it's, <laughs> I have to say, I think our new word might be cum garage. That's hyphenated, by the way. So it's all I, don't mind, I don't mind the word. It's just, oh, my God, there's only so much cum you can swallow. See, we're getting you as filthy as me and Joanne. This is wonderful. <laughs> Soon we'll be Come totally on. we'll be totally X-rated podcast soon. Oh, <laughs> Explicit, <laughs> baby. Explicit. <laughs> so, without further ado, or to do, however you say, I have been James. I'm Batman. <laughs> and I've been me. <laughs> and we've been talking of so like Codswalt. Have a good one, everybody. Ciao. <laughs>